Jeremiah, uh, the first chapter, verses 4 through 6. It reads, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go, all, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Verse 8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Tonight, I'd like to use, uh, for the few minutes that I have with you tonight, what do I do when I don't feel worthy? What do I do when I don't feel worthy? I thought about uh, tonight just a, a, a portion of my testimony. The Lord uh, called me to preach when I was nine years old. And um, I um, was uh, favored uh, to go um, to uh, a church, a little church in Seattle, Washington, on Ferdinand Street called the Greater Revival Church of God in Christ. And my pastor at the particular time, at that particular time, was the superintendent, Luther J. Green. And he, after I espoused my calling, after I shared my calling with him, he would allow me to sit next to him uh, on Sundays and throughout the week. Uh, he was one of those pastors, and those of um, you who have preached at a young age, you might recall that he was one of those pastors that you didn't necessarily know who was going to speak until you got to church. So he might tap you and say, Elder Allen, it's your night. And so this particular evening, this little 10-year-old boy, I was sitting next to him. He said, you're going to preach tonight. Well, I had been going through some, uh, some courses at, in, in middle school, I think, or elementary school, or whatever I might have been in on reproductive health and, 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 and protecting yourselves, you know, the, the things that they teach you in class. And so, you know, you can't really trust a young man to, to speak out off the spot. So I started talking about protective gear for sexual activities and all the colors that, 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 that were included in this. And I mean, I, they had to go and get my grandma to say, hey, you, you, got, you got to come up and, and we go, we go, we go. So... Needless to say, there was no more uh, 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 touching me before the service started to say, tonight is your night. <laughs> but as a young preacher, you know, that you could imagine that that, that that is disheartening. You get to church, and I had found a Bible, and, and my grandmother's a missionary, and she had all these commentaries, so I would just study. I'd come up with messages. I'd just be a little 10-year-old boy. Like, I didn't want to play outside. I just wanted to preach, you know. And so I'd get to church. Tonight's my night. Tonight's my night. The pastor would never call on me. 
Yes. <laughs> so I, I pretty essentially ruined my, my, my reputation in that regard. But I thought about that because um, generally when uh, Elder Carter would introduce me, he'd say, Elder Bomonte would never say no. He don't need to pray on it. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> because I purposed in my heart that any time that I got the opportunity to speak, if it was yesterday or the day before or last week, I was going to be ready because I was not going to embarrass the pastor again. <laughs> But I don't share that for, for, for vainglory. I share that because um, I, 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 I um, throughout my, my, my adolescence, I became uh, very fearful of preaching. I, I was afraid. Um, I became overwhelmed by what people thought about me. There were other young preachers who um, they knew how to yell and tune up, and they were, they were better than me. And then I got to high school, and they started calling me preacher boy, and I just wanted to be regular, you know? Like, I couldn't, that, all of that just didn't, didn't appeal to me. So I told my grandma one day, I said, you know what? You made me do this. You made me go to all those churches, and you were buying me all those Bibles, and you stole my childhood. <laughs> so I'm not a preacher anymore, like, and, that is, and that is it. And she looked at me. She said, okay, <laughs> you, you, you're not, you, that's, you, that, you say what you say that you're not. But I thank God for her because she prayed me through some very difficult times, and she would say all the time, well, you know you're still a preacher. You know God doesn't take that away from you. And I thought about that in the context of, of, of what I want to talk about um, with you tonight, because a lot of times we, we, we know who it is that God has called us to be. When we wake up in the morning, we have this itch. We know what God has anointed us to be. We can feel God's presence, his anointing. Like we, we, we practice in the mirror that thing that God put in our heart. But somewhere between um, our dream and, and, and the vision that God gives us, we become afraid. We become impacted by what other people think about our ministry, what they think about our age, what they think about our size, what they think about who we are. And, and, and the Lord just began to speak to my heart, and he said that, 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 that there are some things that, that, that we, um, as members of the body of Christ, will miss if we don't realize what our worth is. And, and, and I say that because the, the, the enemy does not want you to grow in your ministry. The enemy does not want you to, 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 to grow in the things of God that he has called you to do. And so he will put people and things and systems to become a roadblock in your life. And I want to talk a little bit um, about some of those roadblocks. I, I, as I was thinking about um, some of the challenges that I have faced, whether it be uh, with self-esteem or whether it be professionally or personally um, or, or, or ministry-wise, one of the things that has really impacted me, and I'm just going to talk about myself, and if hopefully you find something um, um, in your own life that resonates, but I dealt with what is called imposter syndrome. Does anybody know what imposter syndrome is? All right, well, let me tell you what it is. Some of y'all look at me like, no, that's what you're for. All right. <laughs> imposter syndrome, uh, also known as imposter phenomenon, uh, imposterism or fraud syndrome, or imposter experience, is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, doubts their talents, doubts their accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud, all right? And despite the external evidence of a person's competence, they still experience this phenomenon because they are convinced that they are unworthy. 
Let me give you some examples. You are um, a, a hardworking employee at your job and, and, and you um, learn that your supervisor is retiring and somebody says, Sister Michelle, do you think um, that you should apply for that job? And, 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 and you start telling yourself, oh no, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I haven't been here long enough. You know, there's some people who've done it harder or, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not white or, you know, we go through all of these things that, that we begin to separate ourselves from opportunities that are available to us. That's imposter syndrome. That's where we negate the things, the experiences that we have had. We, we negate the, 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 the degrees that we have earned, the time that we spent in school. We, we, we often, even if we don't have a degree, we start telling ourselves that we're not worthy because we didn't go to school like such and such. And we will talk ourselves out of a blessing. Have you ever talked yourself out of something because you didn't feel worthy? You didn't feel like they would pick you anyway. You didn't feel like they, they would choose you. You felt insignificant or you felt uh, that, 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 that you were not going to be the one even if you tried. That is imposter syndrome. Well, I come to tell you tonight that imposter syndrome is a trick of the enemy. Everybody say a trick of the enemy. Imposter syndrome is a trick of the enemy. Let me just say this because God really had to reveal this to me. And I worked in human resources for about four years, worst period of my life. You probably have heard me testifying about it. I hate paperwork. <laughs> like, I, I don't like hiring people. I don't like calling people. I was very, very, very unorganized. But one of the things that was so amazing to me is I would go through these applications for high-level jobs, and people would apply for them that didn't even have a degree. Like, oh, I want to be the president of the university, but I got a, I got a, a, a diploma from, from, from the local high school. And it, would, it would alarm me because I would say to my Myself, why is it that people who are grossly uh, 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 underqualified will apply for these high-level jobs? And, and the people who, 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 who perhaps are qualified will say, oh, no, I, that, that's not me. I'm not ready. You know, maybe, maybe next year, you know, maybe after things get straightened out at home, you know, maybe after I go take another class or, we, you know, we start telling ourselves this. And I always would tell people, this job, this, this, this particular posting, this high-level job, the people who have applied for this are unqualified and the pool is waiting for somebody like you. No, I can't do it. It's not, it's, it's not me, you know. You, 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 and, and I don't mean this to be uh, uh, offensive, but there are some people who will stay in unhappy situations, in jobs that they don't like, working for supervisors that they don't like. They will not be developed. They stay in those jobs because they feel like, oh, you know, I, I want to be protected by the security of knowing that I have a job. I don't want, I don't want to supervise anybody because, you know, I, I, I just, that's just not me. How do you know? Right? Like, and so you have people that don't walk um, in the fullness because imposter syndrome really affects them. And I want to tell you today that, that, that other things that make us uh, feel unworthy. Think about this. Consider this. Uh, we spend 90,000 hours working in our lifetime. And, and, and I know I, I actually did the math, I calculated that, and that's about 10 years, because I took 90,000, and I'm telling y'all I could do a little bit of math. I divided that by 365, and I found out that that was 10 years. And I was like, well, that's not, you know, that's not too much. But then I kept reading in this article, and it said that, that when you count the fact that the average person sleeps for eight hours at night, you end up working 35% of your lifetime at a job. 
50 years of, 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 of working that you do, that the average person is working 50 years, 35% of their life is spent at a job. And so I don't know about you, but you can become the, the reflection of your job. You're in sales and you, 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 you're, you're naturally happy about who you are, but, but you become um, a, a, a judge or you feel like you are not successful if you haven't made a certain amount of sales, right? You, you are, you're, you're in a position where you, you're supervisor and you don't get along and so you become the products of what they say you are through a performance evaluation, Right, And so all of our lives, we're in all of these earthly systems that tell us that we are the opposite of what God called us to be. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? There was a time in my career especially that I would go home and I would tell myself, you are not what they said you are there. You are not what you said that they said you are there. You are not what they said you are there. Because everywhere that you go, there are people who will try to make you feel insignificant for their own purposes. Oh, they don't want you to grow, so they will tell you, oh, no, you, don't, you didn't do, you did okay, <laughs> like when you really did really well, right? That, that's how they do, because they're intimidated by you, because sometimes other people, and I'm not talking necessarily about sage people, but sometimes other people can see the God in you before you can see it in yourself. Isn't, isn't that interesting? And so, so we, we, there are things in our life, our profession um, causes us to think about who we are in a different way. We begin to see ourselves through the lens of our profession, right? That's why when people retire, they, they're not just feeling freedom from, from having to clock in every day and go to work. They're feeling freedom from the stress of having to be somebody and do something every day for the sake of other people who are judging them. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so the second thing that, that we begin to see ourselves through is the lens of our parental influence, right? It doesn't matter how old you are. How many of you can remember, no matter how old you are, something that your parents said to you? How many of you can remember something that they didn't say to you when you needed to hear something that they didn't do when you needed to hear something? There are, the, there are some of us who live through the experience or see ourselves through the lens of our parents and we're 59 years old. Like we're still hanging on to the fact that they didn't affirm us or they didn't encourage us or they didn't believe in the career choice that we made, right? Like we, we, we see ourselves and you know it's, it happens on the other side, right? Where, we, where we, 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 we feel insignificant about our calling and what we're called to do because we're judging our, our success in life based on our children. Well, their children are all saved and in church and on the front row every Sunday and my kids don't even go to church. I must be a bad person. I must not be like as saved as everybody else. I must not be a good parent. You know, like that, how Satan starts going in your mind and telling you, well, why, how come they're so faithful and your kids are not? Satan will do that. He wants you to see yourself through the lens of your profession. He wants you to see yourself through the lens of your parenting skills and what your parents and what the people at work said about you. But guess what? Your worth is defined by God. Your worth is defined by God. And as simple as that is, saints of God, we need to remind ourselves of that regularly. I am not going to this job to be who they say I am. I'm going to this job because God said that I am a spiritual being in a natural place. I'm not a natural being in a spiritual place, right? God has anointed me to be here, so I'm not anywhere on accident. Say that, I'm not anywhere on accident. 
And so we deal um, with imposter syndrome that impacts the way that we see ourselves. We are subjected to systems that affirm and approve us and we live through these affirmations and approvals and if we're not careful, we will become victim to these systems. And so the Lord wants us to be encouraged and to know that we are not who they say that we are. We are who he says that we are. We are who he says that we are. It's interesting because sometimes when we uh, think about people in the Bible, characters and humans and those that are in the Bible, we always look at the total uh, uh, body of work. And our, our particular text focuses tonight on Jeremiah. We know that, that Jeremiah is the weeping prophet, anointed to do God's will. We know that on his resume, he uh, wrote the book of Jeremiah. He was a major prophet. Perhaps um, some scholars argue that he wrote Lamentations in First and Second King. We know that Jeremiah has a beautiful resume. We know that God anointed him and sent him to, to correct and to root up things that were happening amongst the children of Israel and to tear down the, 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 the demonstration of Satan in those particular communities. However, we have to focus on how Jeremiah started. We've got to take a look at how Jeremiah started. I would submit to you uh, that there are three um, primary uh, areas or three um, areas of thinking that um, we should be focused on as we think about Jeremiah and our worthiness. Praise the Lord. Uh, the first thing that I want to submit to you is that when you don't feel worthy, you need to remember that God affirmed you before you even knew that you could be affirmed. Think about it. So, so <laughs> this was very interesting to me because, you know, you can come to church. How many of you have to just be honest with me because I need to know that I'm not the only one here. How many of you have ever come to church and the pastor or whoever just preached the word that you know you needed to hear? You know it encouraged you. It was something that spoke directly to your heart and you were encouraged and then you got home and you slid right back in the same hole. You know, like it would may, maybe you were discouraged and, and, and the pastor preached, he got this. And you said, thank you, Jesus, you got this, hallelujah. And then you got in the car and somebody said, child, they did it again. And you said, oh, oh, and forgot all about the fact that God had it. So in this particular text, it's so interesting because God is having a personal relationship and conversation with Jeremiah. Right? Uh, he's speaking directly to him. He introduces the conversation by saying, hey, uh, Jeremiah, let me tell you, before you were even born, I knew you. And before you were born, I anointed you. And before you were born, I called you and I predestined you. And, 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 and I don't know what Jeremiah was thinking, but he was probably thinking like some of us. Jeremiah was like, uh, but I don't, do you know how old I am? This is, can you imagine God speaking directly to you, Elder Allen, and saying, Elder Allen, I have called you for thus and so. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay. He didn't say, yes, Lord, or, or, or tell me what to do next, Lord. He said, are you serious? I'm too young. You must got the wrong guy. Do you know that's what we do when God sends the word and, 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 and we, we kind of coil up? We believe it, but something in us says, no, not me. 
right? Like, like we, we, I'm, not, I'm, I'm so underqualified. That can't, that can't be me. When, when pastor preached about him having it, he was talking about the people that sit on the front row. That not me. <laughs> like that's for the missionaries, not me. Not me, not me. M- missionary Smith, I, I can't, that, you, you might be, you're strong, you're the missionary, you were up here just preaching the word. I'm sure you can break through, but that's not me. I don't have the resilience and the possibility and all the things that you have. I'm insignificant. This is what Jeremiah was saying to himself. Like, not just to himself, he said it directly to God. He said, I am too young. And not only that, I'm too young and I don't know what to say. See, one of the challenges that we have, Sister Michelle, is that we always see ourselves from our own lens. Like, you know, I don't, you know nobody, will, nobody will be interested in me because they just don't know. I was talking to somebody the other day and I had told them, I said, um, this person, I reached out to this person and I said, is there anybody that you would feel comfortable, you know, talking to on a regular basis? A Christian is somebody that, that you and the person told me, the person that they wanted to talk to. And so I called that person. I said, hey, I was talking to such and such. And they said that they really admired you and that you were their role model. And they really wanted to connect with you, have coffee and just learn about your life and for you to minister to them. And that person said, oh, no. They, they don't. <laughs> They don't know my life. They don't know my testimony. They don't know what I'm, what I'm currently struggling. This, you know, that the litany of stuff can't be me. Like, I don't, like, I, I just, I'm barely, you know, like, I sit in the back. Like, me? Right? It's because they don't know my business. And I told this particular person, I said, no, it's not because they don't know your business. It's because God knows your business. And then God knows their business. <laughs> and then when he brings you together, but you will miss the opportunity to minister and pour into somebody's life because you are oh, I'm so oh me no it's not me like I can't do it I can't I'm, I'm so insignificant that's what Jeremiah said he said listen I don't I don't know how to talk or anything but before Jeremiah could talk God said I already did the work everything you were born with everything in you that you needed to do what I have called you to do Oh, I know you got to go to school and to to be a doctor. (laughs) Like, I know you got to go through the orientation to be a supervisor at the job. But what I have called you to do is already in you. You don't got to prove yourself to nobody. It's already in you. You don't have to talk yourself in or out of it. It is already in you. And so God tells Jeremiah, you, 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 you're talking about your own ability. You're talking about your own strength. But you need to know that your worth is not based on how even you feel about yourself. <laughs> Can you imagine if your worth was based on how you feel about yourself? Oh, I feel good now because I got on my new bow tie that I bought from Jose Banks today. It was $4.99. I feel really good about this. I look in the mirror and I feel really good about this. But there's sometimes when I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I need a haircut. I look terrible. I'll never get married. <laughs> somebody, somebody, nobody thinks I'm attractive the way I look, you know, you know. And so then when you start telling yourself that you become what you tell yourself that you are. And so God has to send the word to remind you, no, you're not even who you think you are. Oh, I got started on you before you were born. 
I knew who you'd be married to. I knew where you would go to school. I knew who would raise you. I knew where you would work. Everything that is in your path, I've already predestined it. The problem is not the, the, the school that you went to. The problem is not the family that you're in. The problem is you because you have not been able to open your eyes, Jeremiah, and see that it's not about you. It's about me in you. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. So, so, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. When you don't feel worthy, remember that God affirmed you before you were even able to be affirmed. You know, I, I love Missionary Anderson. I can preach a whole message about loving Missionary Anderson. I really do love Missionary Anderson. She knows that. Do I, do I love you? And, and I respect her opinion, right? And so probably afterwards, I'm going to need her to say something, right? You know, hey, sound good. I'm going to need to be walking out that door. I'm going to need pastor to say, pretty good for a boy. <laughs> I'm expecting that. I'm expecting that, because that's what happens here, right? You know, Sister Tish, you know, Marco Polo, me. Ooh, I really, I, I'm expecting that. But you know what? What about when it doesn't happen? Sister Michelle, everybody don't like every song that everybody, you know what I mean? Like, you just, everybody, don't want, everybody don't want, you think it's good, and somebody else don't think it's good. And there's some people who might have liked it, but will walk all the way around you to let you know that you ain't nothing. Mm. You okay? You just, you know, and then they'll use little little words like little youth church mother. Oh, you're so cute! Like keep on, keep it on. You know, little demeaning things to make you feel. People will do that to you, and you know why? Because um, I got a funny. I told Elder Smith a funny story about um, the one, the two, the one time that I uh, preached at the, at the convocation. I don't know how they selected me or anything. Imposter syndrome, right? completely just blown away. And so pastor was there and he was sitting behind me so I felt good. And I just, you know, but he didn't say anything because he might not say nothing, <laughs> right? And so I was waiting and waiting so about maybe six months later, I said, pastor, you didn't say nothing. He told me, you know, I did, good, I did a good job or whatever, but I, I have really been dependent on that, <laughs> right? But you know what the Lord told me? He said, a part of your problem is, is that you're looking for affirmation from the wrong people. When you, when you sing the song that I told you to sing, who cares? You, 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 I know you want to stand by the door and, and have everybody shake your hand and feel good after you preach the hot message, but guess what? If you didn't say what I told you to say, it does not matter. And half the people lying anyway. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, I'm almost done. When you feel unworthy, remember that Jesus challenges negative self-talk. You know what negative self-talk is? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no. They, they should have got somebody else. I don't know why they asked me. I can't do this. I'm unworthy. I don't know why. All that. And it starts in your head, right? Right? You know, you, you, it, it starts in your, in your head, in your heart. I'm underprepared. I don't, you know, they should have got somebody. Are they sure? Like, you know, all that kind of stuff that, 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 that we, we, we become so far, even in ministry, we become so far away from the fact that we were not called by people that we get confused about what he called us to do. 
right? And 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 so and so God lets lets Jeremiah talk, like <laughs> he lets he lets him finish, <laughs> like oh okay, oh okay, you, yeah, like you said, you said that you're you're so young, right? Because you 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 have been comparing yourself to other prophets. But the problem is, is that I'm talking to you now and I'm telling you, you are the prophet that I called. So who cares how old the other prophets were? Who, who, who cares? So God says that you need to know that self, negative self-talk is demonic. You know why it's demonic? Because it speaks against the will and the word of God. It's not of God for you to be kicking against the pricks. It's not of God for you to be telling God what you think about who you are and what you can do after he's already called you or anointed you. And God was so patient with Jeremiah. He was so patient with him. And so when we get to that point where we feel, it's not that we, we, we're always going to feel confident because the Bible says that, 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 that God does something special with those that are humble. Like he, he exalts the humble. We know he does that. So this is not about being arrogant or self-righteous or pious or pump. It's not about that, right? It's about acknowledging that you are worthy, that God didn't make a mistake when he created you, when he called you, when he anointed you, when he told you to do what it is that you're doing. And so we're not going to have negative self-talk. And then finally, when we feel unworthy, we need to remember that God will never allow us to go alone. God will never allow us to go alone. I'm sure that God could have said to Jeremiah, you know what, you're just going to do what I tell you to do, period. I don't want to hear nothing else. Right? He's God, right? But he started to minister to Jeremiah. He said, you're going to go, and I'm going to go before you. <laughs> you, you know, you, 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 I know what you're thinking. Like, okay, but what am I going to say? Because I done already told you that I don't know what to say. He said, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the words in your mouth. <laughs> what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve, that when we submit to him, when we show up vulnerable, when we talk about to, to God about our insecurities, he meets us and he says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do everything that I can to empower you, to make you feel worthy to do what I have called you to do. Bless the name of the Lord. Come on, give God a praise for that. So let me just go over those three things again. When you feel, when you don't feel worthy, remember that God affirmed you before you could even be affirmed by man. Number two, when you feel unworthy, remember that Jesus challenges negative self-talk. It's not of God. And then finally, when you feel unworthy, remember that you will not go alone with Christ. He will not let you be up the creek without a paddle. He will not allow you to go by yourself. Listen, I found out that in the Hebrew, Jeremiah's name means exalted by Yahweh. Isn't that wonderful? I don't care how he's seen himself. Whoever God decides to exalt... Listen, you need to know when you are applying for that job or thinking about that next step in your career or your ministry, that elevation doesn't come from the north or the south or the east or the west. It's God. He puts up and he takes down. And, 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 and let me just tell you, you don't have to be in competition with anybody if you are in the will of God. 
everything that is for you is for you. Listen, I am a, a, I can't say this enough, I'm a young, I was born a foster kid in Seattle. I spent most of my very young age in an apartment where my mom would just disappear. And so when people start hating on me and acting weird, you know what I think to myself? Oh, God already planned this. I don't know how I got to Sacramento. I don't know how I went to college. I don't know any of this. And so I'm not going to let some hater or somebody make me feel that I'm unworthy. Because I didn't get here on an accident. I'm not talking to you tonight because of an accident. God ordained this. He ordained you to be here. And listen, people will exalt you. They will tell you, ooh, you know, you know, I see you in the future. They will talk to you. But guess what? The exaltation that you need is the exaltation from Yahweh. Listen, when he, exalt, when he elevates you, when he calls you, when he anoints you, there is nothing that anybody else can do. Bless the name of the Lord. Let me just read uh, this scripture and then I'll close. Matthew, the 23rd chapter in the 12th verse says this, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. I want to read 1 Corinthians, and this is one of my favorite verses. Um, 1 Corinthians um, 1, 26 through 31, and I want to read it in the Message Bible. Um, It says this, and I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, um, because God really speaks to us, especially those who might be dealing with trying to understand who they are and what their purpose is in life. And I just want to say that sometimes we're told that that purpose ends at a certain age, and I can tell you that I was so inspired to watch a 98-year-old lady get her bachelor's degree. And it was amazing to see all of her children around her celebrating her. And I believe that somebody who was a part of her family really realized that it was possible for them through her sacrifice and her tenacity. And so not everything that you'll be called to do in this season is about you. And so it it, it takes getting over yourself to walk in God's fullness. Listen to what this scripture says and then I'm closing. Take a good look, friends, at who who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential. Not many high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately... Choose, chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies that make it, that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. You are worthy. You are worthy. And everything that you are, God has called you to be. And there's some things that you are not yet because God has not exposed it through you and in you, but it's coming. Everyone standing. Father, we thank you tonight for this word. We thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice. We thank you, Father God, for those that are joining us on Facebook and 
YouTube. We pray, Father God, that you uh, would touch the hearts of your people, Father God, and that you would continue to remind us that you love us and that we are valued and that we are important, if, nobody else, if to nobody else, but to you. And Father, we pray, God, that you uh, would do what your word says, that you would exalt the humble. And we thank you, Father God, that your word says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. We thank you, Father God, that your word promises that you would come through for us, God. And so we sit in expectation. We will not do negative self-talk. We will not speak against your will and your word, but we will back boldly. We will be bold, Father God, for you. And God, if there be anyone of the sound of my voice, Father God, that does not know you in the pardon of their sins, convict them unto righteousness. Save and sanctify and fill with the gift of the Holy Ghost, Father, even in this season, Father God. And God, we'll be so careful and so quick to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.